0: Welcome to the sermon podcast from North Decatur United Methodist Church, where all are welcomed and included, connected with God and with one another, and sent out in service an invitation to the world. Each week, we bring you the most recent sermon from me, Patrick Falheber, or from guest preachers. Thank you for listening and subscribing. Hey folks, if we haven't met before, my name is Patrick. I'm the pastor here at North Decatur, and I'm really grateful to be with you. Uh, in this unique virtual way. In fact, I kind of want to talk about that. Uh, Being together virtually is sort of new language that we've gotten over the last 18 months or so, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. Um, Up until March of 2020, I didn't think about community as anything other than the people who live around me. But over the last year and change, we've had really cool opportunities to expand our definition of community to include people who live all across the country, um, who are active in our worship services and small groups and all sorts of wonderful things. And so it's gotten me thinking about the ways that we define our lives together. What does it mean to have virtual community and virtual worship and virtual small groups. And what does it mean to be embodied across these sort of digital mediums? What does it mean that I'm recording this on Wednesday and we're all participating in this reflection on Sunday, including me, right? Like I'm right now, weirdly talking to myself as weird as that is that is how worship goes at 10 o'clock in the morning on sunday i hear a sermon from myself which is kind of crazy right and it can sort of throw you into this sort of existential confusion who am i who's talking to me right like um i probably don't need to spend a lot of time on that but i hope you understand like what i'm trying to say it's strange to think about being present when so much of our presence lately has been through these virtual mediums, you know I remember growing up uh, my my grandparents teaching me that like if you 're going to be here, be here, right like put down all the stuff that distracts us and be present, and now all the stuff that has distracted us is the way that we're present it 's a uh, It's a really interesting thing to think about. But honestly, I don't think it's a new new question for us. I think especially in the church, we have always had things that distract us from the present moment. And we've talked about them as things that we should celebrate, right? Like we talk about having a spiritual presence and we talk about like, you know, when someone's going into surgery, I'll be with you in prayer. What do we mean when we say we'll be with someone in prayer when we can't physically be there you know i I think in a lot of ways it's very similar to the ways that we talk about being present with one another in these virtual spaces or on phone calls or in text messages or whatever the case may be they help create connection but they aren't they aren't the connection right like Being mindful, being prayerful over someone who's going through something difficult isn't the same as sitting with them in the midst of whatever's happening. And I think that's okay. That doesn't mean that I'm saying prayer isn't helpful or important or that, you know, holding someone and love and light when we can't be at their side, but that's incredibly meaningful and really important. But it does, for me, bring up a lot of questions about what it means to live a life of faith. You know, do we live our lives of faith in virtual reality and in prayerful reality, but not necessarily a physically embodied reality? Do we think about our relationship with God as though it's something that we just need to hold on to until we get to heaven, like just sort of? the ticket that we're supposed to carry so that we can really enter into eternal life and this faith life after we've died? Does it mean, you know, separating ourselves from our experiences of the world and looking only for the presence of God, sort of separate from reality around us? I I think a lot of Christianity is built that way, right? Like a lot of those sort of cliched sayings, like, we're in the world and not of the world. Um, that's, That's sort of the sentiment that I'm wondering about right now. And the reason is because of our gospel lesson. It's a really beautiful story, right? The Luke's gospel does a really great job of explaining who Jesus is, how his teachings embody everything that has come before through the laws and the prophets and everything else. Describing eloquently and painfully his experience of loss, his experience of abandonment, his experience of pain, and his experience of death. And then also talks about these weird moments of resurrection encounters that some of Jesus' followers have, right? So first there's the empty tomb and the people who were going, the women especially who were going to care for his body, witnesses two sort of angelic figures who describe Jesus as being resurrected. And then just after that, we see this story about how some unnamed disciples met a stranger walking on the road to Emmaus. And they come to know him as Jesus simply by breaking bread and sharing in a meal. And then he disappears. And then the next story is about how Jesus enters into a locked upper room, joining the disciples there. And the argument that he makes very specifically is that I am not a ghost. I am not some sort of spiritual presence. I am real, so real in fact that I will share in a meal, give me some bread, give me some fish, and I will give you my hands and my side for you to feel the wounds that were inflicted upon me at death. Luke is telling the story for a really important reason. And it's a consistent message through all of Luke's gospel. Jesus, the son of God, Jesus, this perfect man, Jesus, the, the, this divinity, right? Jesus and Christ aligned together, embodied as one being, isn't a spiritual truth. It's a physical present reality. Which is consistent right luke 's gospel this you can 't read the resurrection stories without reading the advent stories. What does it mean to to follow God to trust God to be with God? It means trusting the pain of childbirth in mary 's life. It means trusting the story the the it means following the child who was carried off into Egypt as a refugee it means Listening to the ways that God calls out to him. It means accompanying Jesus in these moments of um, temptation. It means sitting before Jesus as he reads from the scroll of Isaiah, promising to bring good news to the poor. It means following Jesus along as crowds gather around him, looking for healings, looking to be reintroduced to their community, looking for the balance of power to be shifted for the people so that all have an opportunity to thrive. It means sitting at the feet of Jesus as he teaches religious folks, Just random folks and crowds and even political figures about the importance of setting our hearts and minds on the things of God. And those things of God are not distant. They're not about getting into some heaven. They're not about the next life. They're about this particular life. What does it mean to be saved? It means... To, chain, to allow our hearts and minds to be changed so that we can bear witness to the kingdom of God, enveloping us and unfolding for all of the world to celebrate. It means acknowledging how God is bringing abundance and new life to all people. It means taking part in the, this project of reconciling the world to itself and to its creator. It means being a part of this story. It means bringing healing. It means bringing peace. It means being compassionate. It means being empathetic. And it means sharing abundantly all of the gifts that we have so that every single person and every single created thing on this earth has an opportunity to thrive. Anything working against that is anti-Christ not because of a spiritual truth, not because of a virtual truth, because of physically embodied truth. And what we know because of this resurrection account where Jesus enters into the upper room, showing the wounds in his hands and his side, offering or asking for a simple meal of bread and fish to share around the table. We learn from this particular moment is that Our faith is meant to be embodied in the same way that Christ was embodied in Jesus. It's that simple and that complicated. So, like, when we talk about our spiritual life versus our, like, normal everyday life, or our virtual reality versus our, like, lived reality, when we talk about our hopes for the world, all of these things have to be woven together in our hearts and minds so that they aren't separate things. If we long for the day that justice will reign, we can't just sit back and wait for the day God makes it happen. We have to participate in what God's already doing, change our hearts and minds, change our very lives to be centered on that reality. If we long for the day that black men aren't killed by the people who've sworn to protect them, then We can't just hope for that day to come. We have to point out the injustice when it happens, and we have to live an embodied life oriented towards justice in all things. If we want to live in a world where the people seeking life after experiencing incredible hardship in other countries or other cities or whatever, we have to acknowledge our participation in building systems that have allowed homelessness to persist and have allowed cages and um, things to be built on the border. We We, it's not, we can't just hope, we can't just pray. We have to hope, we have to pray, but we also have to be embodied. We have to allow our lives to be transformed. We have to allow God to dwell within us now. And we have to allow Christ to be seen within us now To be a community of faith, to be a church, means we collectively choose to work on behalf of the Kingdom of God, first and foremost, before any other thing. Of course we all have jobs that we have to attend to, we all have families that we have to attend to, we all have the long, never-ending to-do lists to attend to. We don't neglect the rest of our life in pursuit of this other thing. Instead, we envelop those things in our understanding of who God is and how God is calling us to be transformed. How can we bear the presence of Christ into our workplaces, into our families, into our endless to-do lists into our shopping lists. How can we allow God, Christ, to be embodied in every aspect of our daily lives, individually and collectively? That's the challenge issued to us through this incredible story of Jesus showing up in an upper room, bearing wounds and sharing a meal. God is embodied. God is present, and Christ continues to be embodied and present in us, beyond us, through us, for all of the world to be transformed. Again, it is that simple and exactly that complicated. So I invite you to discern with me how God is calling you to live an embodied life of faith. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon from North Decatur United Methodist Church. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. And if you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at ndumc.org.